Okay. Yeah, they're on right. Okay, ready? You ready to kick off this recording? What? One, two, three. Ew. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm like, no. (laughs) Absolutely not. where where is it empty uh on the walls in in your heart oh oh <laughs> oh i still have to steal a painting out of the u-haul uh yeah good luck that a lot of them are buried so uh the one you requested might be right up front oh, or great. it's buried deep in the back no uh there's a one out of four chance i mean have you ever seen me at a sample sale you can rummage pretty quickly like piles a of fucking shit. bloodhound. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't want you to undo uh, Phil and I's very wonderful pack job. You Tetris the shit out of that. Oh yeah. Oh. it's infallible. It's perfect right now. Nothing's gonna move around. Nothing's gonna get damaged, except for the IKEA furniture that broke on the way down the stairs. What IKEA? So that'll be the only casualty. What IKEA furniture? The dresser. You just scrape the shit out of the side of the veneer. Well, and I chipped a big part of it off, and, you know. That's why I don't know all why. All it took was moving it. It wasn't anybody's fault. Yeah, I don't it's know just that, why that you stuff. tried moving that. Well, you know, I want a dresser. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but, like, it's like $40 for a new one. Listen, man, I don't know what my financial situation's going to okay. be into the future, so. You might just have to cash out a stonk or two. I don't know. No, 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 no. The stonks are non-negotiable. They're ah. going way up right now. We're going to the moon. Net, baby. Cloudflare. Until it's like Majora's Mask and the moon slowly crashes to Earth. Hmm. I'm not that familiar with GameCube. Sorry. That was on the 64, but okay. Oh, that was the follow-up to Legend of Zelda that nobody played. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I never played Majora's Mask. I don't know. I just know the basic plot summary. I'm not a big enough Zelda fan, you know? I mean, I only know the one. I'm only a fan of Link because dudes rock. I don't care about (sighs) the princess. I mean, he was oh, he was like the you know he is the little twink of the series. He's the primary cuck of the entire thing. You know, is that right? What's the overarching narrative? I thought it was just like a Mario situation where Link is out there rescuing Zelda. He, they never fuck. They don't. There's no romantic inter you know thing. It's purely platonic. It's just a triad of like power, wisdom, and courage. So and he's not you know rooting in wisdom's uh, basement anytime soon. Ew. What? I don't know. He's rooting in wisdom's basement. Yeah, it he's not going like to the library. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, we're we're off to a rough start here. We uh, <laughs> we had to reset up all the podcast stuff because it was uh, previously decommissioned, but now it's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will's got a pizza to his left. Yeah. We've got a mess of cords and cables. We've got a mostly drunk bottle of wine. A whole buffet of seltzers, and uh, it's it's classic style. Yeah, it's called a Tuesday, uh, mm-hmm. just a general Tuesday. Yeah, well, uh, you were about to tell a story about Giant Eagle or something. <sighs> well, we were talking about how, like, on a chicken bacon ranch pizza, like they should really just not use the fried chicken because, like, save a couple calories. It's also overkill, unnecessary. 
and I was about to share the story of how I used to get these when I was a fat 20-year-old for a year. I would get these pot pies at a local Ohio grocery store. And if you were lucky, you'd get one that they made with fried chicken in the pot pie instead of just regular like roasted bird. If you were lucky. I would look forward to them, and I would be like, <laughs> fuck yeah, it's fried. Now, yes. wait, now wait a minute. Did they, did they just do this like one out of every seven times, and you just didn't know? You were totally rolling the dice? Or I was feel it like advertised as a fried no, chicken? No, no, no. I, it was kind of like the thing of like, depending on when they were like, ooh, the fried chicken's going bad, we got to put it in something else. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about yesterday how you shouldn't order sushi on a Monday I think because that it's I, been sitting all weekend. I think that's an old rule. I have to think that that's an old rule. That used to be the the case of like fish was delivered to the city on Tuesdays. Yes, but what I'm wondering is if the fried chicken pot pie was not the same thing. I it think sounds it sounds like it was. It they was were like, "Ooh, these rotisseries have been sitting around a little too long. Let's fry them up and throw them in there." I think it was very much going out of business sale situation. Mm-hmm. You but know. you considered yourself lucky. Just to I have was them. like, "Fuck yeah, fried chicken in this pot pie," <laughs> and I was like, "Why am I so bloated?" Well, bitch, you're eating a creamy soup in a pastry with fried chicken in it that you would peel the crust off of the tinfoil. <laughs> if people tell you things are not improving in this world, just remember this story. Kids in the Great Depression were very grateful for like a quarter ounce of mutton that they could scrape up yeah. from the butcher. Mm. And little Will over here was just licking his lips, fantasizing all day long about fried chicken pot pies made of leftovers from the grocery store. I mean, the fucked up part is that later in life, uh, Team DeLucas started doing it because I was like, you know, when they were like running out of money and I was like, wow, this is making, this is coming back to me. And, but they threw bacon in it so you'd feel even shittier. <laughs> That's just a chicken bacon ranch pot pie. Yeah, it, it was too much, even for me. You might as well take two chicken, chicken bacon ranch pizzas and just put them on top of each other and then like pour liquid over them. Make a calzone. Yeah. Actually... That is actually what I want. Chicken bacon ranch calzone. That would be good. With some chicken stock in it. Like that that soupy gush? Yeah. Yeah. That, that doesn't sound bad, but I mean... Or like if you put like a mashed potato puree in. Ooh. God damn. This is just getting heavier and heavier all the time. Listen, I used to eat this thing... Okay, so let's, let's back up. <laughs> let's back up one moment. There used to be a restaurant that would make a thing called the Circle Shore, which sounds like a, like, it was a pizza, pizza, Mm -hmm. but it was on their appetizer menu. They didn't have potato skins. No, no. This motherfucker was a potato skin pizza. So basically, they put mashed potatoes on a pizza crust, put cheddar cheese and bacon and chives on it, and sock that fucker in an oven. Oh, man. And I used to pound them like it was going out of style. This honestly doesn't sound that dissimilar from the mashed potato incident. I mean, what we ended up with at at the end of of my sojourn was basically that. If you had thrown some cheddar cheese and bacon on there, it was pretty much the same thing. I can't imagine eating that. It's good when it's going down. I mean, I know that I would, but I feel like halfway through the first piece, you would just be devastated. That's so much... You get so sleepy, yeah. Yeah, that's so much carb, so much starch. But then I would have a Caesar salad with it. As if that's the healthy option. It was the only salad. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like dressed table salad with real anchovies. I don't think that the iceberg lettuce is really making up for... Romaine. Even still, Mm. man, come on. I know it's not better. You should just drink a glass of water, but I'm sure you were having like fruit punch or iced tea at minimum. 
no, 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 no. Sprite? I, uh, unsweetened iced tea when I was young, and then as an adult, very dry martini. Oh, my God. You were drinking and eating this at the same Fuck time? Oh yes. <laughs> I could down three martinis with that, and I'd be like, I'm fine. I'll, let's drive home. Well, yeah. I mean, that just cancels the whole thing out. Yeah. Don't worry, Ossifer. <laughs> yes, I've had three martinis. I also had three pieces of uh, baked potato pizza. Yeah. They're like, I'm sorry for bothering you, sir. Yeah, and I'll be like, thank you. <laughs> now, give me my keys back, you bastard. <laughs> Well, I guess that's what I have to look forward to on my journey back is, yeah, is I, some really serious Ohio food. I, I I mean, are these places still open? Who knows? I yeah, I mean, I, places like that I'm sure are. Yeah, probably. I don't know. You know, that that's going to be the best of it because I really will miss the food here. I think that's, that's going to be an immediate loss that will never quite be recovered. You know, we were well. joking the other night about ordering sashimi in Ohio and just getting it cooked. And I really feel like that was a bit that is not outside the that realm might of possibility. Actually happen, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of things like that that are going to happen. But on the other hand, I'll get a lot of fatty foods along these lines. But it's not Pub good. foods, oh. pierogies, Eastern European stuff, you know, potatoes and bread. But like you can eat that for three days and then feel like, yeah, this is tasty. And then on, on the third day, Jesus said, oh my God, I'm going to die. Yeah. I mean, you know, that kind of happens everywhere. That happened to me in New York. When I started working near Vanessa's dumplings, Oh, I just burned myself out on it. I ate them like every day for three weeks, and then I was like, yeah, I'm good for well, a while. Well, that's because it was the cheapest thing known to man at the time. Well, that just adds to it. Like, I would have had it anyway. Mm. But it's the same type of food, you know? People, I think I guess, people get yeah. their shit twisted because they're like, oh, it's ethnic or it's Chinese or, or whatever. So you get a pass because it's some sort of authentic thing. But you could think of pierogies the same way. I mean, the the West Side Market makes these amazing braided pierogies that I'm mm. sure I'll eat uh, way too much and then never want to have them again. I've never purchased anything at the West Side Market. Really? Had you ever even been there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, too much. Over Same reason why I don't like Chelsea Market. I'm like, this is too much to choose from. It's uh, all I mean, the things that I want and I can't choose. Hmm. Well, why don't you just get multiple things that you want? You seem pretty comfortable with that. Then I got to carry it. Well, I don't know. You eat them, and then you get the next one, and you eat it. You have no trouble with this in your day-to-day life. I understand the idea of like huh. multiple choice being overwhelming, but you you could solve the problem easily. Order a slice of pizza, order a pierogi, put it on there. Oh, what's the difference between that and the, you know? I suppose baked but, potato pizza. But like, mm, no, no. I like to graze across things and not in one central location Hmm, i like to graze walk graze walk you feel that the walking is making up for some of the grazing i'm an antelope i need to like run across the plain (laughs) have a little nibble do some more jumping away and then like oh a little watering hole okay stay hang out here for a little bit got to do some like you know wobbly jumping have a snack go to another watering hole you know like i mean with your current paunch uh, your antelope ass would be very attractive to a lot of lions and slower to boot. So whatever watering hole you're at, you better stay near, except that the alligators might get you then. No, you just hang out w- by the elephants. Mm-hmm. And they keep everything away. Yes. The, the ultimate fat asses of the animal kingdom. <laughs> they just protect the rest of them. With fat asses with, uh, I wanted to say antlers, but they're tusks. Um, yeah, except eh, don't lions sometimes eat 
elephants. Yeah, there's really a, hungry. There's an iconic scene, a night vision scene, I think, from Planet Earth 2, where these starved lions eventually go for the elephant, yeah. I think it's a baby elephant, probably. I would uh, imagine they can't take down an adult one unless it's sickly, but... Also, adult ones are always with other adult ones, and they're like, oh, you want to try it? Well, they're all together, but that's what lions do, is they separate things from the pack. <sighs> that's how they always hunt anyway. Huh. But yeah, and I can't remember. They might not even take down the elephant. I feel like it's like too hard. Like Their ass is too fat, and they can't get through the skin to like harm it. Hmm. Elephants, the original pogs. <laughs> the rare gray pog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, just pog, P-O-double-G. P O double G, fat ass gray girls. Oh jeez, <laughs> you that, know that sounds like a uh, gilf pornography. A what? Gilf. Think about it. Oh, oh, <laughs> ew. I'm sorry, fat ass gray girls. You know that's probably already a website that you don't want to visit. Oh, it's necrophilia. Yeah, uh, you know, probably you didn't have to go that dark, but it's getting there. <laughs> I mean, I really wonder, are there like, you know, oh boy, am I going to talk about this? I guess I am. You know, there must be like pedophiles that watch oh that watch pornography of like 18 year old girls that look younger just to like try and stay legal. They're trying so hard not to go to prison. So they're like, OK, I'll just do this. And it doesn't quite work. What do you think Britney Spears's whole career is based well, on? Well, of course. But now I wonder that, you know, that just makes more sense on every level. But I wonder, are there any necrophiliacs that watch grandma porn? Because they're like, I can't keep going on tour and getting these illegal videos <sighs> on the dark web. I just need to satisfy myself with this. And that also makes me wonder. Is there a version of granny porn where they play dead? No. Or is, you know what? There's definitely a version of porn where the girl plays dead. I'm sure that's a thing. Ew. And then you don't even have to settle for grandma. Gross. Yeah. I'm sorry I brought it up. Ew. Oh. I don't know how we got here. I don't know, man. From elephants at a watering hole. Yeah, well. <laughs> you went from <laughs> fat-ass gray girl as an elephant to, well, I I said necrophilia, but. Yeah. Okay, so it's your fault. Good. Oh, fuck. Don't blame it on me. <sighs> I don't know, man. My he- my headspace is very weird lately for obvious reasons. I'm having a hard time thinking and focusing. I, In a way, it's good because I feel very much in the present moment, but then I have thoughts like that, and I can't help but say them out loud. Ah. So that's not good. Usually, I find sleeping on the couch a very clarifying experience. Like, your brain is just like, ah, yes, I understand the world a little bit more better. Because you wake up really early. With, yeah. the, with the sun, and you're like, ah, and then I usually go back to sleep for about four hours, but, um, you know, you have a little moment of clarity for a hot second. Well, you know, for clarity's sake, I'm sleeping on the couch because we packed up the truck yesterday, so I don't have a bed currently. I don't know why you packed your bed. That's Well, because I needed help to do it, and you can't even be relied on to be there on moving day without having to go <sighs> to work. Listen. So, for obvious reasons, I needed the extra hands to do the big things. I carried that bed by myself down the hallway it's from ikea it has handles i mean i suppose you can do it i don't know man my my point is i just needed help to move ah you know and that's a big item and i guess you can do it alone but you know i have to go down two flights of stairs it's fucking raining all day i don't Uh, what do you expect Mm. it's this is one of those things that you do where you take a totally normal thing that other people do and you 
try to twist it around and See, make it weird, and then you end up revealing that you do this weird thing on your own. Yeah. And you act like it's normal, like carrying a, a bed around alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that small. They but have it, handles. But anyway, all I was trying to say was that I was sleeping on the couch, uh, but my headspace has nothing to do with where I slept. I agree with you that sleeping on the couch can be a refreshing thing. And yeah. That, you know, yeah, you wake up early and it's like this other thing, but for obvious reasons, again, I mean, you know. I'm just a little all over the place oh. because the, there's a sur- uh, the surreality of a certain situation happening that's making me, you know. Loopy. Yeah. I can't inhabit my, it's not even making me loopy exactly. It's just making me kind of completely neutral. Huh. You know, because I can't like focus very well on things I'm normally interested in because they seem rather trivial. Hmm. And then, you know, I'm I'm communicating with a lot more people than usual because people want to know what my plans are for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons all over the spectrum. And then I also just, you know, I don't want to think about it. It's like a very big decision becoming real. It's hard to like grapple with that. Mm. There's, you know, there's self-justifying reasons for not wanting to think about it. Like not wanting to get yourself in a bad mood or mm. not wanting to build your expectations up or whatever, but it's just, it's hard to focus. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the next 48 hours. Right. Well, you kind of do. I kind of do, but that's that's been my situation now for about a week. Is like I I have a schedule of very specific things that need uh, to happen, yeah. but in between that, it's very hard to inhabit the normal free time decompression space mm. because there's a lot on my mind, but it's also not stuff I can do anything about. No, so there's no extra planning that can go into it. There's no comfort in watching a movie. It just feels like sort of I don't know what am I doing floating hmm. through life for a minute you know oh well that's normal yeah it's definitely normal but it ma- it makes me not able to uh think very clearly oh the the oh mm. that's all i'm trying to say this this <sighs> was in response to the idea of going from elephants to necrophilia to speculating about pornography that's why that's happening <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't think that's the only reason why, but yeah, well, the okay. other reason why is that I'm jokerfied and I'm totally twisted. Okay, as we all know. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I mean, okay, well, but you know, you you got to sympathize a little bit. This is going to be a yeah. difficult podcast to do because we're only 20 minutes in and it already feels like it's been an hour. So, well, that's because I'm like carb hungover. Yeah, and I mean, we just ate a bunch of pizza. That doesn't help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What a fitting last meal. Um, I mean, maybe Judas is ready to sell me out at this moment. What? And they'll take me into the town square tomorrow and try me. Are you not familiar with the Bible? You're I, looking uh, at me like an idiot. I am. I just also don't understand how we got to that meta. What? Again, this is just a thing that's happening. I'm going full <laughs> this, stream of this consciousness, metaphor dude. Makes last no meal: sense. Jesus Christ, me, pizza, Judas, you. But ha- what? <laughs> no. Look. <laughs> doesn't make any sense because why is pizza fitting well because it's a last meal and it's like an iconic food of new york you know last meal in new york Mm. iconic fitting food. it's not really that it's not really that complicated you just got to get on my level man yeah i'm not there because i'm like i think our listeners are with me they know what i'm talking about you guys know what i'm talking about right in but i'm faced down with this dumbass over here (laughs) who's just like i ate too much I mean, as I'm always, a convenient excuse for not doing anything on the podcast. Oh, Will Laughlin, it, ladies and gentlemen. I do so many things. I haven't made a post in two weeks. I know. Uh, <laughs> Can't even do that. It's so hard. 
Yeah, so I'm sure it things. is. Well, we were just discussing right before we got on here whether we were even going to record this or not. And I was like, I think we should kind of do it. Otherwise, we're going to have two weeks off because Will has not done the due del- diligence of getting his equipment. And we talked about this maybe two episodes ago. And I was like, I'm afraid the podcast is going to end because you're not going to put any effort into it. And you were like, well, you'll just have to work around me. Well, <sighs> we're seeing how that goes already. And it's not good. So, guys, if this is the last episode ever, I apologize. I it's t- not my fault. I tried. <laughs> will didn't try. Uh, good God. I I will try at some point. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'll get the thing. I, I, what, what, what's the microphone I have to get? We're going to talk about this later because okay, I, don't wanna yeah, re- uh, I don't, don't want to rehash bore the people? details yeah. again uh, on, on the show. I don't make notes about that. I go. And you oh, also yeah, seem sure. to be changing your mind about how committed you are to this. No, I'm just like, what do I have to get? What's the easiest, most unobtrusive item to get? Well, we'll talk about it later. We'll <sighs> talk about it later. You know, when you have mechanical arms on, on your dining room table for so long, you're like, how do I make that go well, it's not going to go away. You're going to get to keep your mechanical arm. Lucky yeah. for you. Yeah, but it can like be taken down with no no harm, no foul. Well, yeah, sure, but then you're going to get tired of setting it up every week. By the way, we should get off this topic because this is boring. Oh, fine. Okay. Like I said, I'm in a weird headspace, man. I would like for you to lead the conversation. Would you like to attempt to do that, please? Oh. Um. I mean... I don't. How do? I, well, this is the seventieth episode of this show, and it's probably it is. We missed sixty nine. Yeah, Aww. it's probably the nine hundredth time that I've asked you, "What do you got?" Or, "Hey, Will, <laughs> will you lead the conversation?" And then there's a thirty second silence and a sound. How is that possible? It's you know we've been speaking extemporaneously on these microphones for over a year now. Yeah. You know, and even when I got nothing, I got something. You just got to roll, baby. Yeah, no I know. dead air. <laughs> No dead air. I mean, I, what you're what you're hearing, dear dear reader, is the sound of a, a of a busted lawnmower slowly getting primed, and then it'll it's gonna start. It's definitely gonna start. Um, you I just don't have think to, so. I, I mean, I, I think this lawnmower's been broken <laughs> for seventy episodes, and we keep getting the promise that it'll eventually. Start. It worked last time. It's gonna work the the next. I don't know. You know what I would really like if there's any ambitious listeners of this podcast out there. I would really like somebody to uh, tally up. The number of spoken minutes per host on this show. It's always going to be you because you don't, you like to diatribe. Well, and also I'm aware that, you know, you need to say something entertaining and like try to try to get through a conversation, mm. try to get to the next place, try to lead it a little bit. Mm. I'm not mm. always on point, but I try my best. But I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think there's ever been a time when you've tried. Episode 69. I got there with the things about the the, the drawings of the the sunglasses and the sneakers and then we had a, a broad ranging conversation okay well we've wasted two minutes now revisiting this yeah, instead of moving on the, this is what we're I'm still talking priming about. we're let's still priming on. let's move on let's we've primed a lot oh, what God. you got i mean uh, i i mean okay go ahead what <laughs> I'm just it, the just irony of interrupting you when <laughs> yeah. i'm asking you to finally talk is I, I was arriving at a thing and then uh, yeah what? We want to talk about Kawo? No, we don't want to talk about <laughs> Kawo. Do you have something to say or don't you? Move forward, please. <laughs> I mean, I I was uh I was thinking a little bit ab- about like um when you're talking about 
hazy time. But I feel like in the past, uh, let's say five days, like I feel like the world has been in hazy time. I feel like, I mean, personally, I feel like I've been in hazy time. I'm like, I don't think I have clear thoughts, period, for like the past five days. And I don't know if that's just in the ether or if that's like some star mystical shit. Did you mean past five years? You go to hell is what <laughs> you, you do. Um, oh, wait, you're already going there in a truck tomorrow. Um, just kidding. I, I like the place. Um, but I feel like the fog is real but i don't think it's necessarily just like well it's it's partially part of moving time but it is like i think there is a strange not to be woo but i'm like there's a weird energy out there man i'm getting this sense that like everyone's just kind of like going through the motions because we're now you know kind of reopened for you know three months and everyone's like oh this sucks and everyone's just kind of like oh it's rainy oh like we're turning into seattle here well, yeah, I mean, it's the turn of the seasons on one hand. It's the limbo of coronavirus on another because it's not truly reopened. Everything's half reopened, you know, we, as we've discussed a million times. Like, yeah, I personally feel like that's kind of the worst part of all this is that nothing's quite back to normal. Nothing's quite on hold. So, yeah, the hazy space sucks. Uh, the election's coming up. I you know, I think everybody's on edge about that, whether you have one position or another or claim to not care. I mean, everybody wants to know. So that result needs to happen. You yeah. know, like there, there is there is a lot going on in the world that I think would contribute to this. And I'm sure there's an astrological thing that the woo people could tell us. In fact, I, I is was this the Aries thing and Mars or something Mars like that. I was, I was yeah. just about to say Natalie was over here the other day to see me off. And she said something, I believe, about Aries or Mars or something. And, and I had a similar conversation with Ulrika. I was there with a, one a couple yeah. nights before. And it's like, I don't remember any of that stuff. And I don't obviously put too much credence into it but but like if uh if everybody's experiencing experiencing like a collective mass haziness yeah i don't think that i think there's a lot of explanations for that what was it what was it mars or mercury is in retrograde one of the two i think it's mars but i can't remember and then it's also aries i feel like mercury is in retrograde fucking constantly yeah i mean every woo girl on instagram is posting that it's mercury in retrograde every single day (laughs) so it's completely it's completely yeah i'm like huh but like if it's aries season it's the god of war right yeah so like i remember Ulrika saying something that like well when it's a retrograde thing in a, a house of power it's all just conflict but with but we're in the space of no resolution like we're just it's that like the un the unheimlich the unhomely feeling of everything yeah that is just un- generally unsettled which leads to malaise where you're just like ah, can the dust settle and it's like no the dust is still getting kicked but you don't know what why or how right I, yeah um you know in the in the summer of 1914 right before world war 1 uh, any writing you read from that time, people's journals or academics, even economists and stuff, they describe a really similar feeling where, you know, there was a warlike atmosphere. I mean, literally in retrospect, well, yeah. but nobody knew that at the time. And it was just sort of this weird sense of we don't know what's going on, but something is coming. And maybe mm-hmm. that's more foreboding than what we're going through yeah. right now, because the other thought I had was that. I think people, well, 
I wouldn't be surprised if this malaise lasts a really long time, meaning half a decade or something. Hmm. You know, it will feel exciting at certain moments. Like when I said that thing about uh, everybody gets to relax until the election and then Trump gets Oopsies, COVID. Like, yeah. But like, think about that. That was only a little over a week ago that that happened. And it's like kind of already the excitement of Trump. But that's what I mean. COVID I feel, is over. I feel like that week felt like a year so now it's just like everyone's like, oh, I'm so tired. Yeah, I think people get exhausted by these like micro events that seem like a really big deal and then produce no change. Yes. I think the problem is that n- no change is yeah, produced across the board at all. And I think that can last a lot longer than people realize. Well, like know? people are not getting their nut from all of this anxiety. Yeah, yeah exactly. And everyone's just in this haze of like, uh, clarity. Can I get any kind of clarity? And it's like, no, we're going to hold that in abeyance for... Uh, Kick, kick down the can one week, one week, one week, one week. And you're like, oh, well, and then, you know, I don't know. Like, this is a comment ab- about the election, but not about the election. Like, you know what? Almost no matter what happens with it, no one's going to get their nut off then either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all of the situations have been gamed out with so much uh, frisson and anxiety already that no matter which one happens, like everyone will claim to have known that that was going to be the result already or you know we'll have some prescribed reaction there will be no catharsis one way or the other and so i don't know it just it just lends to that feeling and i think that i mean the c word is the main one not not my fun my favorite fun c word but like catharsis is the c word like you know it's chasing catharsis you know chasing amy yeah that was a terrible metaphor but um it is this kind of sense of like everyone just wants something to be over what what that means no one knows but the entire it is a global thing where everyone's just like can we move on yet and it's like well no yeah even though everyone emotionally has moved on it's like it's like breaking up with someone but you still like live together for three years yeah yeah and you're like when can we just like oh god are we trapped in you know that kind of shit like, when can you just, like, scoochies? Right. Well, everybody is isolated and on their own in this situation. I think, like, a lot of the anxiety comes from the fact that there's no authority that's going to give anybody permission to go back to normal. Like, I think people think it will happen with the election. Your preferred candidate wins. I think people think it will happen with a vaccine. Oh, great. No more masks. We get to go to bars again. But, like, those events are not discreet. Even yeah. though they seem discreet, they won't be and their results will just continue to trickle out and sort of like uh, spread like rings on water for a long time. Yeah. And there will never be a moment when you get it, when it is over with, whatever it is for you. Well, there will never be, uh, there will always be a slight fr- frizzen. Is that the word? Frizzon? Like that fr- slight friction. Yeah. Let's not be French. Fuck them. Um, about like even post whatever pen post panty uh like there will still be people who are like i'm not gonna be in a bar for another five years yeah definitely. like just as a writ large because like some yeah. people just won't do it yeah yeah and like you know people will just live different lives of like well i don't do that in public and it's like oh you're just not doing it no yeah no. and like we'll just live a, a maybe a quieter life or just a more like idiosyncratic life right but then there are people who will lead an idiosyncratic life in public where it's just like, a eh, let's just agree. Everyone will just be on this. Let's just agree to disagree that this is not what we do anymore. But that's then there's no common ground. 
Yeah, no, there's not. I mean, it, it's it's the internet age, like kind of finally coming to real life, like coming to a head where everybody's um, atomized little economy of self-contained bubbles eventually just becomes everybody's lives too. And I think everybody feels the worst for it right now. Yeah, because like you said, the people that decide, like, hey, I don't really mind being secluded most of the time. And if basically there's a convenient excuse to never go to a bar again and now I don't have to and no one can tell me otherwise because I'll just say it's COVID. Yeah. And they might not even be consciously aware that that's the maneuver that they're doing. Yeah. They might have an earnest feeling that it's for public health or whatever. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to convince them otherwise. But then it's just going to be like at the end of the day, it's just like, no, you just prefer not doing that. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of like how honest people will be about their limits of like saying like of of saying no which like i think like this is a greater philosophical question of like we are in a yes we were in a yes culture and now we're opening up the door to yes and no culture um where you yeah, can refuse you can refuse to participate i just don't think it's a question of anybody's consent or not because you can't question anybody's motivations anymore and I think that has a, has more to do with people just in, internalizing like completely unique ideologies by being fed a completely um, a completely self reinforcing bubble of information. So it doesn't. You will never have to openly say yes, I'm comfortable with this, or no, I'm not comfortable with that. People frame it in in those terms. Like there's a lot of cu- cultural conversation about consent one way or the other. But that's not even really the issue. It's just that you can't question anybody's premises anymore because we don't share any. Yeah. So I you guess, can't say but... you're not coming out because you actually just like being alone. You also can't say, hey, you should come out because coronavirus is not as big of a problem as you're making it or whatever. Like nobody agrees on any of those foundational axioms anymore. Yeah. And I think that's like what we're all going through together is that there is, there isn't a shared culture, isn't a shared society. And like watching that happen in real life is a real bummer. Like, well, it's just, it's it's kind of amazing that even a year ago, so many people were on the same page, even though it didn't feel that way at the time. Yeah. I mean, this is why like, you know, you know, from experience like it'd be like you're not coming out i'm like no not doing it a i don't want to or i'm i'm tight tie like what you're gonna be a little bitch and i'm like yes i'm gonna be a little bitch i don't care which like some days you can just say no some days you're like time to play but now it's like it's now just like, oh, no, because of the thing. And it's like, no, just be honest that you're like, I don't feel like doing well, that, you're to still, be honest. Like, I don't want to talk past each other because you're still making it an issue of affirmation or not. That's that's not what it is. It's it's just there's something there's something deeper going on where headspaces don't match to the point where you could even ask the question. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a, a, a fraying of the community net. Yeah or the idea of community net existing where you're just like, well, these weaves just don't actually mesh anymore. And I mean, I think it's important to be clear about that because it's not a question of anybody's honesty or anybody's intentions. It's just that, you know, nobody can agree on intent or, you know, I don't know. Your, your own impression of the world has now become your only access to it. And it's profound. It's profoundly depressing. It's depressing to me. I mean, and it's a and it's a particularly weird time to be because it's perceived and not actually palpated. Well, you can just ne- you can have no confirmation that you're not insane. Oh, 
Who's looking for that? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what you're talking about. Because if you're going to have a conversation about going to a bar, just because we've been using that example, and you're talking about it in terms of, well, you used to be able to say, I don't feel like it because I'm tired, or yes, I want to do it, or no, I don't want to do it because I simply don't. Yeah. It doesn't even, it doesn't even come to that anymore. Like you don't, you, you can't bounce that idea off another person without three or four different possible narratives all happening simultaneously that each party would have to address or, in order to come to a consensus. Or now with a curveball of, how could you even ask me that? So, yeah. So when I say yeah. that it's about sanity, I mean, there is no confirmation that you share anything in common with anybody, really. Hmm. Because if that basic issue ha- is that complex now. Yeah. Y- you know, y- wh- who's to say your foundational axioms that you hold true are correct? You just have to sit there with them and... act in your best interest basically and it's not a situation anybody chose we've just been kind of driven into it by conditions and it sucks into the negotiation sphere versus the honesty sphere yeah 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 at at best but i don't even think it gets that far again because negotiation requires like two independent agents that like have like a legal structure or something you don't even have that well it's not about legal structure but it is about the foundation of the of the dialogue having a set I don't want to say set terms, but, you know, a set uh, court. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking like tennis court. Like I was like, how do you do? How do you? What's the thing? Well, you're talking about parameters. I mean, I said axioms a minute ago. There there are things that normally can go unspoken that act as the foundational uh, structure of a dialogue. I thought an axiom is like, you know, it always rains and whatever. No, I don't know. I don't know what that is. And in in axi- like axiom, two in the bush is worth two in the hand, or whatever the fuck. Truism. Never mind. That's a yeah. That's a truism. I mean, <laughs> it, it's. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, an axiom is like a foundational assumption that can go without saying because yeah. it's so okay. uh, uh, preeminent and obvious. It's like an a priori thing. I was gonna say, is this some like a priori? Okay, got yeah. it. Okay. Um. And it's also consistent across situations. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not able to articulate it well, but I just feel like it has nothing to do with any what anybody wants from the situation. It's just that our surroundings psychically have shifted to such a degree that nobody knows how to play in this court anymore. Yeah. Well, this in is, fact, nobody even has the same lines drawn on well, it. Well, this is like we talked about this in, in the you know like march or april like you know i think like oh people are not going to know how to like talk to people in the future and it's like wow it took very little amount of time for that to happen yeah but you know i I, uh, at least for me i think what i meant back then was like or uh, i don't know what i meant back then or what we meant by that back then but but there was a different sort of charge early in coronavirus where the stakes felt higher the reason that this feels like a malaise and feels more depressing and at the same time more pervasive is that it's been actualized. Not through anybody's intention. We're not talking theoretically anymore. This is just something that everybody is living now. Yeah. Um, it was all about potential early on in all of this shit. Yeah. And now that potential has like kind of happened, but it's hard to describe. But it's hard to describe because it's also a non-position. Yeah. Like, this is what I mean about, like, maybe the woo thing being right, because it's like, what is the unexplainable aspect of the inability to communicate truth f- truthfully? Truly. That's a double, but whatever. Um, it takes such a short amount of time, th- and maybe this goes to your point of, like, the internet of it all 
coming into a head and of realization of like, yeah, it's talking past and cross posting to the point of why are people arguing over a missed point? Like you're in a flame war on a, on a Reddit post and no one's like, someone's like, I like toast, fuck toast. And you're like, this is actually about um, Yemen peace talks or a famine. And you guys are on toast. Like, how did you get here? Well, I don't think it's that dramatic is the thing. I mean, I just think that this has been happening for a while where, you know, for a long time, people have lost the ability to basically to think logically. Like, I hate to sound like Ben Shapiro or whatever, but there's no form or structure to conversation anymore. You're supposed to accept other people's lived experience or their emotions as fact. That, to me, that's been the most obvious like breaking point for the last four or five years. Uh, but now what's happening is that you can't even you can't even call people on that because it's true of me too. It's true of everybody. You've been stuck in your own bubble now, literally and figuratively for months and months and months, and it's yeah. hard to relate. Yeah. And so taking like a really definitive position or tone on anything is really difficult. the The thing is, is that like. You know, structures do still exist. It's just really hard to find them between everyone's like competing emotional narratives about yeah, the but situation. Th- then what you're describing is that people lost the sense of empathy of towards understanding. Yeah, maybe I should just speak for myself because I feel like that's exactly what's happened. I think that is that it's caught it's caused a major uh, checking out in terms of even giving a fuck about having empathy for other people anymore because I don't see it extended. Even the people that claim to be empathetic, I don't see them doing it, and it's like it's you know. It just seems kind of hopeless to imagine that six months from now everybody will get together at the bar again. Like, no, it's not going to happen even if it's safe. Yeah. Which is weird to admit. Yeah, I just, I wonder about, I couldn't help but think. Um, Like, you know, like my my thing being back at work, like if, if people are like going through whatever, I like at this, you know, I, I was a hard ass person, you know, because I was like, we got, you know. I need to make a diamond to a dollar. What the fuck are you doing? Stop fucking up. Now I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Like, is something going on in your life? I'll give you more rope. I don't care. Nothing matters. Like, are you happy? Do you need to take steps to work on yourself? Fine. Take your time. Like, I'm not, whatever. No one should be in a position to expect anything from people or to make demands on them. Interesting, yeah, yeah. I, I'm fully in this very, very Eileen Fisher linen wardrobe situation where I'm just like, you know, we have to meet people where they are and we should extend them grace. And I'm like, what the fuck am I saying? Why? That's not me. Well, you know, I. That, but also that's just that, empathy. That is where, you know, okay, yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of retracing my steps on what I said a minute ago or maybe backing off it a little bit because... I think what you just described is what everybody is doing. Um, But speaking for myself, I'm beginning to find that incredibly frustrating because that is where malaise comes from. Pure accommodation of everybody at all times means nobody's moving anywhere. It means everyone is staying exactly where they are because they're so damaged they need that constantly reaffirmed and they need space in order to deal with that trauma, Uh right? Which means nothing happens. No progress happens. No progress happens in narrative space. No progress happens in production space. Uh, No progress happens anywhere. That is completely 
a static, broken society. If everybody is that broken that you must basically kind of check out, use your sort of neutral empathy to whatever degree possible as to not infringe on anybody, that means there are no rules, yeah. but that doesn't mean anarchy. It doesn't mean there's no rules in the sense that people are breaking them constantly. It just means that we're all respecting our own individual rules right now. Yeah. And that is the malaise. That's the stasis. The, that's this yeah. uncomfortable feeling like I'm, I'm like everybody else, I think. I'm waiting for something to happen. Where's the hero? Where's the thrust of this story? There's no thrust if everybody's reading their own choose-your-own-adventure book all day. And when you are in a situation where you need to tell them, hey, I'm on page 86 and you need to be here too. And they're like, don't do that. Or you're like, they don't want me to do that. So I'm going to let them stay on well, page 74. Diff, yeah. We're all not doing anything. We're all on different pages of a different book, yeah. but we still live in the same world. And yeah. that's shitty. That's not good. That's a static situation. Yeah. I mean, it just it feel. Uh, I don't know. It feels like an ask to hold, like to hold someone like to a stringent degree of a- accountability. Like that's what I mean. Like you know, getting a little like linen pants about it. You can be like, you know, I'll accept this, fine. But then it's like three at the end of the day, three strikes, and then I'm gonna fuck with you. But you know, who's to say? Um, well, I think the trouble of the world before was that people might have been too stringent all the time, and that was yeah. also negative. Yeah. I mean, everything's a matter of degree or lies somewhere on this spectrum, but I think rather than um, rather than find a balance, which I think we talked about a lot in the beginning of coronavirus, too, in terms of like working from home or you know people kind of leveling out their work lives with their personal lives and figuring that out, like... That's not happening either. We've just gone farther in one direction where now it's like complete pacification rather than hyper speed adaptation. Yes. Maybe on the other side. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, God, I sound like a fucking boomer liberal talking about like we need to get back to the center or something. But I like sort of genuinely feel it, feel that way where like we've just made the mistake of going too far in another direction. And again, it's nobody's fault. It's no, it's no particular agent's well, fault. It's just the nature of the way that things have moved to have brought us here. Well, but. if we use the, like a pendulum as a metaphor, the pendulum was always just you know cranked to eleven on in one thing, and then it just you know went back to stasis for a while. But nothing's drawing it back to have momentous force. Right. There's just a pull back towards speed, but there's no drive behind it. Yes, that's a it's really like good a analogy. It's like a clawing back of yes. things. And it's like, this is not how the world works. This is not how s- psychic energy works. You yeah. have to pull the pull the ball back in order to set things in motion. Well, as you said, it seems like what's happening right now is that there's a hand that's holding the ball that did pull it back. Like, guys, we got to get back to normal. And that hand grabbed it and pulled it and then just kind of kept it there. And so it's like there's a certain amount of expectation by force of not normality, but yeah. right, but not of natural, or f- yeah, not of a natural like uh, not velocity, no, not psychic velocity. Yeah. Welcome to, you know, the Green Lewis Brene Brown podcast. Yeah, I guess I I don't know if you, I don't know if any of that made any sense, but it, I think I think diagramming it oddly helps because you there is no way to make. S- there is no way to make sense of a situation that makes no sense because if you are trying like well, if we're trying to describe a gray zone it's a matter of like 
how much black, how much white is there? And it's like, well, it's not that kind of gray. It's not gray number five. Well, yeah, right. I, I understand what you mean, yeah. And also, I mean, you're in the situation. It would be as if you were the paint asking the paint to describe itself. You can't do that. I mean, there's there's no... there's what no are you, fucking Sean Scully? What is this shit? There's no meta agents able to look at this from the outside. Like, yes, oh, we guess, are yeah. the gray number five, and we're trying to trying to project to other people like what an assessment of that condition might be, but there's no way of knowing it till later. Hmm. But it's a, And it'll probably never be for us to say because our conditions will always confuse the situation. They will always confuse the narrative. Whether oh, you're talking yeah. individually, psychologically, or broader or more historically, like we'll never be distant enough from these situations to really analyze them without a lot of bias and a lot of emotion behind it. And with expectation. Yeah. And I think that's maybe why the the fog is in place, because it's like, it is the sense of like, I didn't expect this to go this way or this long or this obtuse. Yeah. So it, it's, it is just a matter of like full, like waiting to exhale, like, please just let me just, <sighs> because it's all just being bottled. And yes. this is why you can't meet people on any particular terms, because again, there's a withholding. Definitely. And whether it's active or not, can't tell. Right. The can't tell part is the part of like the rules of engagement, which has never been the case. Correct. And it's extra confusing because you can't tell if you can't tell, and you also can't tell if they can't tell, and every other possible iteration of that formulation. You yeah. know, the Donald Rumsfeld thing of like uh, unknown knowns. You're getting you're getting yeah. into paradoxical territory now, where like people's psychic energy or or uh, states of mind with each other can't even possibly make any sense. Again, until later, when everybody has worked through things and sorted it out. So um, we're in like the glove don't fit, so you must equip. But in reality, like later, it'll be like if I did it. Well, I think we're more in the if I did it, this is how I would have done it. But but in both in both of those cases, like those are actually pretty straightforward yes. propositions. Yeah. Like you know, and they surround an event in the past in both cases, even during the trial, and then after the like statute of limitations expires, and he comes out with his book. Like you're still discussing a definitive event. It's just you can't talk about it. That's not what this is. We're talking about a atmospheric event that only individuals can describe and collectively it doesn't add up to it's the collective in so far as and you're like yeah. what yeah yeah what do you even mean oh <sighs> right but maybe this is a greater cultural thing of like no one trying to describe and mostly just trying to cope with it because i think of like i'm thinking of um you know i can only use like the local of examples of what i know of like stupid shit in like shows that are up and available to see i'm like these are all nothing burgers the yeah. nothing burger of it all is like the vanguard of culture can't even describe how they are now they're just like well i made these in quarantine thinking about like my surroundings and you're like you suck right but that's at the same time like what else is the content of art going to be you know i think we talked about this a little on the last episode but yeah I mean, I don't know. It was really well said when you said it's just basically a cope. A second ago. Oh. 
you said that everybody is coping, coping with things yeah. rather than being able to describe them, which I think, I, you know, I was trying to make an effort to to stab at a similar idea, which is that's very frustrating to me. It, and it, and it's mostly frustrating to me on a personal level. Like, I want to have a clear head again. And I don't think that that is entirely a personal matter. I think it's something that everybody's going through simultaneously. But it's like, y- you know, we're social beings. I need other people's help to do that. Yeah. And increasingly, whether it's in conversation with you or other friends or whatever, I just feel a wider and wider gulf all the time. Like, it's harder and harder to get the riffs going mm-hmm. unless they're completely superficial and inconsequential. Like, if you start to get on any important topic, whether it's something political or something psychological or what, I just feel the rift open up between everybody at all times. I think also people don't actually want to, I don't know. Hmm. I don't think anybody wants to think about it, which is, I, I, but again, no, I don't want to say that's fine. That's what I'm frustrated with is, no, it's not fine. You should want to talk about it. I think what actually happened is that everyone was talking about their feelings all the time. And now with a slight socialization, everyone's like, God, I don't want to talk about how I feel as much. I just want to be present and not think about how I feel. But then as humans, you are conditioned to talk about how you feel, but you want to be just like present. I think you're right. Yes. And it's getting increasingly I mean, difficult to articulate what you are actually feeling the more you have to socialize in these bizarre times. I mean the amount of illicit behavior that I witnessed the other day speaks to that of like wanting to be present, but not here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it continues the presentness or not the presentness, the camaraderie, the sense of camaraderie, but not being present. Absolutely. That, yeah, that's right. We're talking about doing a lot of drugs, by the way, (sighs) allegedly. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think that's an, I think that's an absolutely accurate diagnosis of something like that, where you want the sense of camaraderie, but you don't even want to be in it together. Yeah. And like, what a weird contradiction that is. And that's what happens. It's alone together. It's the stroke song. Yes. Yes. I mean, that is, that was always an aspect of life, but now it's just a little more present. It's it's not an ennui, like cute fleeting feeling it's the always right that because that is the definition of alienation basically yeah is is alone together and that has been the defining feature of modernity really and and post-modernity especially and a matter of what you do with it is modernity right but then at some point we lost the thread of that doing anything with it adding up to a societal project and it became product uh projects of individuals only of nodes yes and we kind of rode that train for a long time with slight ruptures of major events like yeah. 9-11 like trump's election things like this but i think coronavirus being a thing that was not it was not one day and then everyone got to rebuild because think about even the financial crisis which was something a little more protracted right to use that for an example it did have basically a definitive beginning and a definitive ending this doesn't have that and probably won't. And I think that's why the alone together crushing alienation going from a twee affectation or something that you can stylize and kind of slough off as yeah. a cool aspect of your personality or whatever, that doesn't work anymore. Like we are all raw and earnest, but the most alienated that any humans have ever been. It's like it's like having like uh, you know, what's uh it's like getting like, you know, slicing yourself with a box cutter and then you just pour the super glue on 
like it's still pulsing and still you know potentially bleeding but it's sealed you know i don't even think it's that dramatic because i mean you know emo culture and cutting that was like a thing just post 911 i've never thought about it in this light but it was i think before it, then too but a little but i think you know the it's the 90s been, it's been around but i think that it's that was an effort to actually hurt yourself to feel something real, right? And now we don't have to do that. I think the feeling now is like cutting yourself in VR. What? Yeah. I think I think everybody is being cut by the situation except there's no, no physical aspect to it. So you don't have to do you don't have well, to feel you're giving yourself pain. a kind of lobotomy all the time. Yeah. Which is, ooh, this is It's not great. purely it's it's psychic cutting. Huh. And that is so individual and unknowable to other people. Like, the thing about cutting was that it was a cry for help, right? Uh, so you yeah. feel the pain on a personal level, literally. And also, like, people around you realize that something's going on and they try to help you and you either reject them or accept it or whatever. But there is no... So you're no... saying that, uh, that arm scar is not from falling off a skateboard? You're just... Uh, oh, yeah. I tried to skin. go straight down the vein, baby. <laughs> Um, Jesus, that's dark. Um, <laughs> oh, God. But no, no, it's back It's back to the thing of not having any foundational axioms between each other anymore. We can neither cry for help nor feel any pain that others can see. It's all in our heads. And it's not as graphic and extreme. And, and it doesn't hit people very viscerally, but it's hitting everybody real hard, I think. Yeah, and this is why, like, the, again, the frustration of things in the world where you're just like, oh. Like, everybody feels bad, but they want, like, a banger. Yeah. Like, you have, like... Okay, we didn't talk about this yet, but... Did you hear the new Miley Cyrus song? No, I have not. Okay, so... It literally... The music video, because I was like, ooh, is it going to be a banger? Are we going to have a banger for COVID time? Sick. No, it's just a, like, H&M song that is a Chanel ad. Right. And then, lo and behold, like, two days later, it was used in a Chanel, and I was like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> like, this is not even, like, culture anymore. This is just, like, something to make you feel like things are moving. Yes. And that's the part where I go, like, ooh. And again, to go back to the art thing, of like, oh, we think things are moving because, you know, something's wet out of the studio. I'm like, but it's nothing. Right. It's just an ad for a sensibility, and that is the most vapid shit in the world. Sure. So the only thing moving is the attempt to hold in abatement the swing back into what moves us forward. Right. Well, and, and that's going to hurt a lot of people. Every 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 societal structure, large and small, is incentivized right now to go back to normal, quote unquote. So that's what something like the Miley Cyrus song is trying to do. Hey, remember when the world wasn't bad and like when you were at Target and you heard a Miley Cyrus song in the background, it just seemed like a matter of course. Yeah. Whereas now when you go to Target and you hear the pop music in the background, it seems like you're in a dystopian movie because yeah. everybody's wearing masks and everything sucks, yet they're still pumping in Born in the USA. Yeah, yeah. And it feels uh, disjointed now and incongruous and uh, brainwash-ish. Yes, I mean, <laughs> the funny... <laughs> to illustrate walking around in mall today today or the other day the michelle branch song everywhere is playing and i'm just like huh maybe not a song to play during a, a during a panty 
you know, like it's not a great, like it gets a little twisted if you think about it, uh, the lack of people and the, the eeriness and you're just like, huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you like, know, you just seem like you're living in severance and you're like, no, yes. I don't want to do th- like, this is insane. It's not that bad. It's not some zombie fucking apocalypse for Christ's sake. It's just psychological zombie apocalypse where everyone's just like, I just do this. And you're like, but why? Well, why do you do what you do? It's an old line, but nobody tells you how boring the apocalypse is going to be. And I think but at it's our... it's not even the apocalypse. It's just a hiccup. I, but the thing is, it's not. It's not. It should, it should feel apocalyptic, and it kind of does and kind of doesn't. And that's the worst part. Only at this point in history could it be this way. Oh, Th- things, guess, yeah. things as monumental as the number of events that have happened in the past... We could say 20 years, but even if we said 10, even if we said five, should feel a lot more consequential than they ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 9-11 was probably the last time that something was consequential and really felt like it. Yeah. And then everything after that has felt like a minor aftershock or something. And the conditions continue to get worse, yet it feels the same. That's kind of new, I think. I don't think people in history had that sense. I don't think previous feelings of malaise came from the idea that there was nothing you could do about it. Um, the stagnation was a different of a different order. Our stagnation is coupled with a desire to be retrograde, which makes which it weird. which makes yeah. it feel really bad. Nobody wants to get through this malaise and get to the new future. People want to get through this malaise and go back to two thousand six. But people do want to do that. Everyone does want to do that. But, like, is this the kind of... What was the show with Archie Bunker? All in the Family. That was early 70s, right? Yeah. So, do you know that how that starts? Like, they're singing off-key, like, those were the days, and, like, yeah. we hope we have a president, like, Ho- Herbert Hoover again. You're like, Hoover? The fuck? Hoover? Yeah. That guy? No. Why would you want that? Like, and it's just, like, people just want, you know, G.W. Bush... Well, times. like All in the Family is an interesting example because that's misunderstood in our current day, right? Because people think like, oh my God, how could you have had a racial slur saying like white man protagonist of a TV show at any point in history? Well, it's because it was satirical. So that opening line of like, we want to go back to a president like Herbert Hoover was this lampooning of this reactionary sensibility at the height of modernity. Yeah. Of course that was ridiculous. Audiences in the 1970s would have understood that as a deliberate anachronism and guffawed at it Mm. because nobody wanted that. But there was also a large segment of the population who were like, that's me. Well, yeah, we again, I think we talked about this the last episode, but people start to over identify with things and not realize that they're satirical. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And maybe all in the family is like a good uh, early example of that. But then that just uh, continued to sort of what like get malignant like yeah, atrophy w- over time and now here we are to the point where uh there is only a tiny segment of people left in american culture that can even see that there's possibility but that's what i'm saying like i i, I my worry is that like when you talk about like a long-standing gray gray time is like are we just in the early 70s again where everyone's just like huh, it's all just kind of bad Things are moving, but it's just kind of un- deeply unsatisfying. Um, 
No, I don't think so, because in a weird way, the, the 70s were a greater crisis than anything that's happening now. Um, that Well, or maybe it's similar. I don't know. I'll give, I'll give your point like a, a little little airtime. Like if you're if you're like me and you think about it in terms of the baseline material conditions, meaning the economics, like in the 70s, what was happening was the growth from World War Two was running out and our financial system had to change from something that was like focused on getting three or four percent growth a year and was able to bring up a large middle class in response to that. If the pie is growing all around, everybody comes up and then that energy runs out. Yeah. The malaise of the 70s came from that growth slowing down. Yes. And the consequent problems of that. Our malaise is coming from a different place where we are just an outgrowth of that 1970s malaise. That problem was never solved. Ronald uh, Reagan yeah. just came along and ignored it. Repressed And it. then, yes. And then Bill Clinton came along and said, we're never going to win an election again unless we act more like Ronald Reagan. Hmm. And so you have generations since the 1970s that have never addressed that fundamental problem of the dying of the growth. So if you're talking about our era in relation to that era, we are part of that continuity, not some new node in that system. So the reason I backtracked a minute or so ago when I started talking about this is like, well, yes, the things we are going through are really catastrophic right now. I don't want to downplay them. Um, but they are because everybody kicked the can down the road for 50 years. So the malaise yeah. of the 70s ended with Reagan because they were able to repress it. We don't have that option. This was Donald Trump. He was the president that came along and said, we can just forget about this. America can be great again. But he didn't change anything. So imagine that now with every new iteration of politics or economics or societal change or psychology we tried kicking the can down the road, guys. That's that's where the Miley Cyrus problem comes in of like all of a sudden that song feels dystopian because it's stagnant and retrograde. Yeah. We don't have the option to kick the can down the road. You can't make a Miley Cyrus song or any piece of art for that matter that can repress these contradictions anymore. Yes. I think that, I mean, this is why the uh, the frustration of consuming culture is kind of like... I don't know, for me, at like a strange pinnacle, because I'm like, what, how long can you live an unaddressed life? Like, I, I and I don't want to say like an unthinking life, like who cares, but like, just like, you know, I, I love the idea of saying like, oh, I just don't think about it. It's a bold-faced lie. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think it's about like living also that kind of like, oh, living an examined ordinary life like that kind of 70s like fr or i guess that was like late 60s french like uh what was the fuck that guy the poetry of everyday life what the fuck was that i don't know the guy yeah. um but i f but i feel like your example of europe around the same time after world war ii is really interesting because what they figured out was that if you give people a broad-based social democracy that's who is that the poetry of everyday life the practice everyday life michelle de Certeau. Okay. This like weird poetic things of like this is like the American beauty of like French thought in the late sixties of like look at the look at the trash bag. Yeah, yeah. Well I'm a I'm a big fan of Georges Perec, uh, who wrote that <laughs> book Things that is uh, along the same lines where it's really celebrating the beauty and banality of the everyday in the extreme. Like I would almost describe it as like a photorealistic novel in that the story goes almost nowhere, but the vignettes are described for pages and pages. For too goddamn long? Yeah. 
And I think it's because, like, Europe, by being an older society, decided around the same time that what you do is you give your people and your nation, like, a broad-based social democracy where there really isn't that much at stake, but at the same time, nothing ever changes. So you can live this kind of decadent life where you are still able to produce art, but it can only ever be banal. That's why American art was ascendant in the era and for, uh, you know, basically since then still kind of has been. Yeah. Um, They don't have anything to make art about anymore because they're comfortable and lazy. Like, I know that sounds like a Republican saying pull yourself up by your bootstraps or whatever, but it is basically their condition where you don't have a lot of problems, but that also means you don't do anything very interesting. Yeah. And the only interesting things happening in Europe right now are the same interesting things that are happening here, like I said last time on the show, like things coming from the right. Because they Ooh, get they get yeah. weird immigration problems, so you get Michelle Welbeck novels that are a little bit reactionary. And yeah. people go, ooh, oh my God, reactionary Scary. fascism's coming yeah. back. Well, what do you want, guys? Like, you, all- can't, you can't have a stagnant society and have good art. His whole thing, though, is like, like you... He's basically pointing out the hysteria of people who have gone unencumbered for the better part of their lives. Yes. And taking it to a logical extreme of like, well, this is how you're acting, just so you know. So like, if if this is what your fear is, let me show you what your most deepest, terrible fears actually wrought. It's exactly everything you want. Yes. Submission. Yes. Like, and it is a kind of thing of like, shut up you bourgeois fuckers like i don't know what to tell you like you fear nothing you fear the other for some unholy reason even though i thought we covered this in the 20s right but you don't you don't fear them you would be absorbed by them if it was convenient to continue your hedonistic life yes yeah yeah Uh, which i mean god like americans pine all the time for having a european style social democracy where we would have that same luxury right Ish, it's like really yeah. interesting reading a, a French take on it, like submission, where he's like, you know, I think Welbeck gets really misunderstood because he's actually just sticking it to the libs, basically, like you said, the bourgeoisie. He's saying, like, stop being so hypocritical and making a fuss. You'll take whatever comes to you as long as you get your tenure, right? Yeah. And in America, it's, you know, th- that's maybe why there's still some potential left here is that we don't have that luxury. Like, we're not going to get a bourgeois life. Uh, we were the last generation that was promised it and then sold got it river. absolutely yeah. squandered, yeah. right? And yeah, we, we were the rubes that bought that bait probably for the last time. Yeah. Um, but our suffering might actually produce something. Because, you know, I wanted to kind of respond to what you said a few minutes ago originally. Like, the challenge of making good art, like, the reason that it's difficult to look at art right now, I think, is that but it's not just art. I mean, like, art in general. I mean, not, art yeah, big A, yeah, yeah, not yeah. Not, vi- not 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 just visual art, just yeah. everything. Um, everything that is produced when you have time to think and think clearly. Yeah. Which is what nobody kind of has right now. Yeah. I I mean, this art is, is a bourgeois thing. It's a, it's a product of luxury. You have to have a certain amount of comfort and material satisfaction to be able to produce it in the first place. You need stability of some kind. Yes. And when that's been stripped from everybody except for fail sons, you get fail son art, which is just repetition and copying of previously made stuff. So it's not, it's nothing good. I mean, you get AI and th- read that in several ways. 
if they're initials yeah. or technology. <laughs> they, they might be initials. They m- are definitely initials. Um, <laughs> you get a Jordan Wolfson is what you get. Sure. Well, what you get is uh, what you get is like the Caravaggisti. What you get is Rococo. What you get is protracted periods of time where you have iterations on previous innovation until the next innovation comes along. And I think it's frustrating for an artist like you or I to sit in that situation and be like, well, shit, I mean, it's kind of been obvious all along, but that's absolutely where we are. We are in an interim period between the height of modernity and whatever comes next. But, like, you know, everyone threw a shit fit when it was, like, zombie formalism, when that was actually in culture at large. But then people were like, oh, it's the barbarians at the gates. How could you dare try to replicate things to be nostalgic, you fucks? It's like, well, guess what you're in for? This now. Well, but it also sold incredibly well. So it was critically panned for obvious reasons, because critics are like, hey, you're just retreading things that already happened. Nothing new is being said here. Yeah. Um, but the market loves that because it's reliable. Yeah. You know, so you have to break... My point is you just have to break multiple incentive structures and maybe you have to kind of come up with a way of redefining art that isn't reliant on being bourgeois or being elite. Like a potential upside of all of this that is down the line, it's not going to be me, I'm not smart enough, but when you overproduce the bourgeois and you don't have a middle class anymore to sustain them when they can't have an art career, if those people still making make art, what is that? That's not folk art from the peasantry. That's not aspirational bourgeois art through the meritocracy. That's not elite reproduction through fail sons. What is that? That'll be genuinely strange and uncategorizable for 50 years. Yes. And even if that doesn't end up being equated with uh, high art or whatever, um, in the same sense that you have a section at MoMA right now that is um, Masters of Personal Art. What? Do you remember this room? No. It's So it's a room of like American faux naive artists, you know, people that painted in the late 19th and early 20th century that were like, um, they paint like a little girl in a doll's dress, but it sort of looks faux naive or whatever. What? And, and I'm not trying to make a stylistic equivalence here. I'm just saying that there's these categories of art that end up existing outside of any easily absorbable narrative because of very particular situations uh, that have their place in history in the end. And I think that like the generation of American artists that you and I are a part of will probably be part of that. Yeah. The downwardly ascendant middle class people with no place in the market structure. Which, I mean, I... I Which is cool, but we're going to die alone. You know? We'll die cutting in the bathroom. Just poor. Yeah, no, just poor. Um, I mean, I think of like someone like Carmen Herrera where it's just like, bitch is 105 and just finally like emerging... Well, and I'm like, what? She's an okay what? example, but like, it's sort of, it's sort of different. But because she's just emerging into market, not actually like, yeah. you know, consciousness. That's not what I mean. I mean, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to define something that will rest outside of the market for a long time. And even Carmen Herrera was playing in the idiom of modernist abstract painting anyway, just from a distance because she wasn't from Europe or America. Like, yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's that's a very different thing. That's just a regional stylistic take on like an already predetermined form. That's not to denigrate her or whatever. I think she's a great painter. It's just that I think there will be new forms and styles of art that emerge that won't be recognizable by the old metrics anymore. But they, at the same time, they won't be eccentric. They won't be darger. 
They won't yeah. be things like this. They'll be recognizable as sophisticated, but not recognizable as um, marketable or psychically affiliated with other things that are. You're just trying to like contextualize Come Wizard for 2069. Well, but he's an outsider artist. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't count. No, I think there's just I think there's another thing going on, and what I am trying to do is just completely project and self-justify what I think might happen to me. Because I, I can't accept the idea as somebody that cares about art and will continue to make it that that is completely meaningless. Like, if that is the case, then you've truly taken a black pill. Uh, what I'm trying to, like, just extemporaneously workshop is like, well, if I continue to make art and, and eventually somebody else cares, what will that be? Because it doesn't fit in these other prescribed categories. And I think that that is true of a lot of people that I know. I don't think a lot of people spend time thinking about that. I think people spend a lot more time trying to fit themselves into niches or fit themselves into pre-existing structures. Yeah. Um, and once you decide to focus your effort on that, you just change what you're doing. Well, you change so many parts of your behavior that it changes your thinking, which yes. is, you know, again, this is the world that we are grappling with now of how do you, if you've changed your behavior for, humans are creatures of habit so like if you've changed your behavior behavior for six months how has that changed your thinking because you can model you can shape behaviors in three weeks not Mm -hmm. you know like that's like what you can quit smoking after like two weeks if you just don't have one yeah like a, a, a you know ostensibly small thing where you're just like oh i found another way to cope with stress or whatever whatever gives a shit yeah i think but I think like it's pretty well established that you can rearrange your neurons in any pattern after a month of consistent behavior so yeah, it, yeah re- your point is well taken that even with this duration which yeah. doesn't seem that long but it's a duration without feedback yep and that's the part that's kind of untested yeah in terms of people's mental remodeling practices of like if you're changing your behaviors it's obviously rewiring you in some way but what is it rewiring you towards because it's not towards the social it's towards the internal but there is still because primates still this need to commune in some way whether that's to gather or to communicate proper and I just don't know what, how we are going to rewire ourselves back into the communal. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. That's the most important question in society right now. But I think like it's worth like asking, and I think a lot of people are just like in in a lovely haze of not thinking about it. Yeah, it's it's obviously more comfortable not to think about it. How long can that last, though? I mean, it can last a pretty long time because I think. What is getting a little lost here is that this has been the case for most people for a long time. The reason that I was making such a strained effort to define this space somewhere between like the bourgeoisie and the middle class and folk art or whatever in that example is just that most people are not overeducated and then don't get what they want. That's sort of a new condition. Like for for lower Fair, and yeah. working class people, there's never been any illusion uh, that they were alienated and that their only sociality was the people they were in close contact with. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed for them. Huh. Yeah. It's it's only it's only for the people that thought they were ascendant and don't get to be. 
yeah. that this is such a devastating event. I don't think coronavirus matters on a visceral level to that many people. I think most people are pretty unthinking all the time. But, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I do wonder about the, like, sense of, like... This only matters if it feels like an interruption in your life in some way. Yeah. And I think a lot of people's lives have been so devastated uh, and alienated over the last hundred years that this isn't registering. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's just like a pure matter of like, well, I don't even know what the tools to cope with this are. And like, even like, I think it's a matter of I've never had them, so why would I start to develop them? Oh, so this well, move yeah. away from uh, sociality into atomization for most people has already been completed, and they've decided on atomization. Huh. I mean, that's a little, we're very lo- you know we're that's very, a little twisted of a point to want to make, but or uh, not your point to want, but to jump off and be like, "Yep, want that." It's like, Ooh, why? Well, I think I think this is sort of circling back to the very beginning of this conversation. You're constantly ascribing um, intention to people. These things are just emergent properties of life. I'm optimistic. Well, no, I don't think it's optimistic. I think it's condescending. Oh, to say no. that somebody decided to be atomized is, I think, patently incorrect. People get atomized by trying to be hopeful and then becoming cynical, and then trying to avoid being naive. Mm. And nobody Mm. makes that choice. You're thrust into that position by never being helped. Huh. And by everyone around you going through a similar thing. You don't elect it. Most cynics didn't decide to be that way. Uh, You lean into it, though. Over time, because it's confirmed. Yeah. It's confirmed by the lack of social support, whether that's that you have no one to talk to or whether that's because you need unemployment and no one will reaffirm it. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's small I, and big. It's not it's not just a problem that can be solved on either scale. So you're saying you don't believe in the, you know, the the will of the human spirit to break through the, you know, with with like a symphony of strings behind it and overcome and like be running on a beach with dun 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 <laughs> dun, dun, dun No, dun, I don't believe in the the chariots of fire <laughs> he, like hero baywatch runner. No. They're uh, all hot though. Sure they are. But, <laughs> but I do no, I do believe in I do believe in the in the human spirit's ability to overcome. I just think that I am a pessimist in the sense that it's never been more complicated and the odds have never been greater that it will disappear. You know, sitting here and having an hour-long conversation is what it takes to arrive at the point of realization that you're either a believer or not a believer. Imagine most people committing to an hour and 25-minute-long conversation to land on a vague idea of how they might feel with no prescription of of what to do about it. In a weird way, I think it's hopeful that we can continue that tradition of like extended dialogue and making the effort. Yeah. But I think you're a fool if you're not pessimistic about that. I. How many people do that? I Even have... amongst friends, how many people sit down and have a focused conversation? Oh, I have low expectations, but I have hope. Well, good. Maybe you should just pop in Star Wars A New Hope on VHS and you can identify with the Luke Skywalker character. I don't know. 
I don't know what to tell somebody like you. Like <laughs> that, that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hopeful cynic. You're a naive, ho- hopeful one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Which is not my bad. Con- my something converters are blah 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 blah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. You mean you're going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters? I wanted to go to Tashi Station to pick up some co- power converters. I don't want to wash the droids. Oh. <laughs> This gold one's gay. This other one's a trash can with wheels. Well, you sound like a twink. Maybe you and C-3PO can hook up later at Tashi's. There's a lot of... <laughs> Tashi's does sound like a gay bar. Um, There's a lot of uh, fanfic about 3PO really giving it to R2. Oh, wow. Uh, which port does he put it in? I mean, R2's got a lot of holes. The more holes, the better, baby. Hmm. Except yeah. for not for men. No, he just puts on that restraining bolt so he can't escape, and then he goes to town. Huh? <laughs> that antenna can go all sorts of places. Oof. Oof. I don't know. Listen to newcomers with Lauren Lapkus. <laughs> all right, don't plug other people's <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>